Hello and welcome to The Pig Edge, Chagas Pig Podcast with me, Kieran Carl, bringing you all the latest news, information and advice to keep Irish pig farmers up to date. And for this episode, we're looking at the inclusion of beans and rye in pig diets with Padder Lawler, Principal Research Officer at Moor Park. And I first asked Padder to tell me a little bit about his work with beans and rye in the past few years. Well, to be honest, Kieran, this work was uh, largely opportunistic and uh, um, it was conducted as part of the, the wet feed project. Uh, and some of the earlier work then with the beans was conducted as part of the, the pigzyme project where we looked at feed enzymes in, in, in pig diets. And just maybe to qualify that this work was done with grow finisher pigs. So pigs from about 30 kilos up to around about 115, 120 kilos. And I say it was opportunistic because we hadn't planned uh, particularly on doing this type of work. Uh, but when the beans and the rye became available to us and, and we had confidence that it could be assembled correctly for, uh, for trial purposes, we took a chance to do the work, you know. Uh, so it was quite opportunistic. Now, it, it, with the beans, we added enzymes in there as well and we looked at them with and without enzymes. So they fitted into the project but it was a, an opportunity that we couldn't pass up. And I suppose these two ingredients, the acreage of these ingredients is growing uh, over the last number of years. And, you know, we thought they were inter interesting ingredients to look at. And in, in terms of sourcing them, Kieran, I, I suppose uh, I better thank uh, Michael Butler in Connolly's uh, Red Mills for, for uh, helping us to source the, the, um, the beans in our first trials and Tim Donovan in seed tech who has helped us to source uh, beans for a trial that we're, we're, we're doing currently. And he also helped us to source the, um, the, the rye for a trial we did earlier this year. Uh, I suppose what we have looked at is we've looked at propionic acid treated beans. We looked at that a couple of years back, both in fresh, um, and we extruded those beans also uh, um, in, in another treatment and compared them to a barley wheat based diet. What we're doing now is that we have just started uh, another trial with three varieties of field beans. And field beans are the same as faba beans. Uh, the names are used interchangeably. But we used, uh, we're looking at three varieties of field beans and we're comparing those to a cereal soya-based diet. And earlier this year, then we looked at rye in finisher diets, replacing a, a proportion of both barley and wheat in the diet. Okay. And why would you want to change to these ingredients? They wouldn't be common. So why would you change to them? Well, I suppose that's a good question, uh, Kieran. in that I suppose the primary reason is that it creates a greater range of ingredients that are available to a, a, a nutritionist or to a farmer. And that should help to cheapen diets. Well, ideally it should. Uh, and producers are always interested in alternative feed ingredients as a means of, of trying to cheapen their, their diets with an aim to reducing their feed cost per kilo dead weight. So that would be the primary uh, reason, but also I suppose that they're locally grown ingredients and they can replace imported feed ingredients. This is particularly the case uh, for, for beans where you're maybe replacing a certain amount of soya in the diet. And this has implications uh, with regard to carbon footprinting. I suppose what you know, if you started to use these type of ingredients, you could lower the carbon footprint of pig meat produced in Ireland, which would be a good news story. I suppose the other thing, the other reason is that the area devoted to growing these in, ingredients by tillage farmers has increased. It's at a, a lowish enough base, but it has increased 
in recent years. And because of this, there's going to be increasing availability of, of uh, these particular ingredients in the marketplace in years to come. Very good. Um, and can you tell, if you look at beans now, could you tell the listeners about the results of the initial work you did with beans? Yeah, I suppose uh, I, I might have mentioned it there earlier, but we sourced a batch of field beans for this particular trial, the trial we did a couple of years ago from Conley's in Gores Bridge. Uh, those beans were rolled and then treated with propionic acid prior to storage. So they were stored, uh, rolled and, and treated with propionic acid. A proportion of that uh, batch of beans then was extruded. And we looked at uh, in vitro digestibility uh, of, of the raw beans. And that's simply looking at digestibility in, in the lab. Uh, of the, we looked at that on the raw beans and on the extruded beans, and we determined the digestible energy and the digestible crude protein of the raw and extruded beans when we put the beans through live pigs, right? But I suppose what's of most interest perhaps to the listeners would be that we then conducted a feeding trial where we had a number of treatments. We had a controlled diet, which was a barley soya bean meal diet. We had a 40% raw field bean diet, and we had a 40% extruded field bean diet. I suppose what we found then was that we had some changes in the digestibility of the beans when they were extruded. But it's important to note that this wasn't reflected in the animal performance, in the pig performance, how they grew. The average daily feed intake of uh, both the, the, the raw and extruded field beans was higher um, compared to the, the soya-based diet, while the growth rate and the feed conversion efficiency uh, were similar for all of the diets, okay? And the carcass quality was not affected by the level of, of uh, beans that were included in the diet either. So I suppose from this, this work, we could say that field beans are a good energy and protein source for pigs. We could also say that extrusion of the field beans didn't improve their nutritional value uh, based on the, the, the performance or the live animal performance as such. I suppose another interesting thing to note uh, from that particular trial, we also fed enzymes in, in some of the treatments. So we fed uh, feed enzyme like uh, alpha-galactosidase, which is a carbohydrate enzyme, and we fed protease uh, with some of the bean diets. We got no response to the alpha-galactosidase, but when we fed the protease, and remember protease is an enzyme that breaks down protein and releases, I suppose, amino acids. Um, when we fed the protease in the, in the bean diets, we got an improvement of, in feed efficiency of about point. 07 of an FC unit, which was, which was significant. And therefore, it would appear to us at least that the supplementation of bean diets with, with protease will benefit uh, feed use efficiency in pigs. Very good, very good. And so what about the work then that you did earlier this year with rye? Okay, Kieran. yeah, maybe just to set the scene on that, the area of rye grown in Ireland has increased in, in recent years. Uh, that's coming off a, a, a pretty low base, really. But the reason it's increasing is that there's a demand from the distillery sector, and I think it's 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 um, to go into uh, as an ingredient into into whiskey making in particular. But I'm also told that the increase in interest in 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 uh, rye as a cereal crop is its efficiency as a, a a crop in certain rotational slots, and 
because it is a particularly high yielding crop. I suppose additionally, there's probably interest and maybe this is why pig farmers should be interested. We're told now that the modern varieties have a much greater resistance uh, to molds than heretofore. And because of this, myco mycotoxin contamination should not be an issue with them. I suppose rye in the past had a very bad name uh, um, with regard to mycotoxin contamination, and it was maybe an ingredient that pig farmers stayed away from in, in the past. But that should uh, hopefully no longer be an issue. So recently we completed um, a feed trial where not 20, 40, and 60% rye was included in diets for grow finisher pigs. And again, it was uh, Tim Donovan and Seed Tech that helped us to source this particular rye. So we're thankful to, to Tim for that. The, the rye variety that we used was KWS Bono, and it was grown in South Tipperary. So it was locally grown here in Ireland. And we took that rye in here into Moor Park and we formulated it into diets. And all of the diets were formulated to contain 9.8 megajoules of net energy per kilo and 10 grams of SID lysine per kilo. When we were purchasing the rye, okay, there was no sort of price in the marketplace for rye at the time. So it was uh, at last year's harvest, 2019 harvest, I suppose we got it. So based on the chemical analysis of, of the rye that we did when it came in here, we fixed a price at around 94% of the price, the price that was prevailing for wheat at that time. And that, as I say, was based on the, the chemical analysis of, the, of the, the rye. So that when we formulated our diets, the not 20, 40, and 60% rye diets, all of those came out with an ingredient cost within one euro of each other. So they were very, very similar in cost at, uh, for this particular trial. The trial lasted 11 weeks, and during this time, pigs were provided with ad libitum access to feed, which would be normal. They were fed on, on the short trough wet feed system. And the health of the pigs and their growth performance was excellent during the trial, which was, which was important in the first place. Average daily gain, feed, average daily feed intake and, and feed conversion efficiency weren't affected by treatment uh, when calculated on a normal live weight basis. However, when we looked at the carcass weight of the pigs at slaughter, this was one and a half kilos less for the rye fed pigs, uh, uh, regardless of whether we fed 20, 40 or 60% rye. So we looked at, in, in this instance, then we looked at carcass average daily gain. And when we looked at carcass average da daily gain, it was about 20 grams per day lower for rye fed pigs regardless of uh, the quantity of rye that was uh, fed in the diet. Lean meat uh, percentage wasn't uh, affected by inclusion of rye at, at any level in the diet. So that was a good news story. So we had maybe a slightly uh, reduced carcass average daily gain of about 20 grams per day. I suppose from that particular trial, what we concluded was that rye inclusion up to about 60% in the diet yielded excellent growth in grow finisher pigs. We had growths here uh, 1150 grams a day and it can be considered a safe feed ingredient um, for use in pig diets. 
However, I suppose what, what, uh, what is most important is what is the value of the rye to a pig farmer. And I suppose in terms of price, you should look at the price of wheat. And if you have rye available to you, the price of that rye needs to be at least 94% uh, 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 of the price of wheat. So it should be lower than 94% of the price of, of wheat that's prevailing at any given time. And its value, I suppose, the value of the rye, it's intermediate between that of wheat and barley, and it's probably closer to that of barley than wheat. Very good. And have you further work planned for, for beans and rye? Yeah, Kieran, um, we had planned to do some digestibility work with the rye earlier this year, but because the work was planned for back in March, um, when the, this first COVID restriction came in, we had to suspend that because it, it's, it, it's quite labor intensive uh, work uh, doing um, total collections and, and that sort of thing. So, but we still have some of this rye in storage. And as soon as we have the capacity to do this type of work, uh, I'd love to be able to get, uh, get it done because it would be able to tell us the, the full story. And this would, what it would do was it would give us a digestible energy value for the, for the rye, for Irish grown rye. And it would give us a, an indication of the, the protein digestibility of Irish grown rye. I suppose, likewise, um, going back maybe to the beans, there's, I, I, I noticed it in the last year or, or so, there's, in, there's a growing interest in, in field beans again uh, within the feed sector and from, from tillage farmers also. And this interest is coming from this carbon footprinting perspective uh, that you have a locally grown feed ingredient that goes into cattle and pig diets and it's, it's reducing our, our carbon footprint. So we've sourced um, this year, uh, from this year's harvest, three varieties of field beans. Again, thanks to, to Seed Tech. Uh, two of those varieties were Lynx. The first was Lynx. And that's a commonly grown variety in the country. The second one <clears throat> is Victus. Not so commonly grown in Ireland, but this particular variety was grown in Ireland this year. Um, and it's a low visine, convisine um, variety. And I suppose visine and convisine, they're not particularly important in terms of pigs, but they, they are important in, in humans. Uh, and there are anti-nutritional factors, particularly in humans that don't, can, uh, that don't express an enzyme to break down um, these products. And uh, you can end up, or humans can end up with a condition called flavism. Um, anyway, we're, we're looking at Victus, which is low visine and convisine. And the third variety we're looking at was grown in Germany. It's, it's called Toffen. Uh, it's a zero tannin variety. Uh, as I say, it was grown in Germany. It's interesting that we're looking at a zero tannin variety because the anti-nutritional factors that are contained within beans of those tannins are, are probably the most problematic with pigs. And it'll be interesting just to see how that compares to the other varieties when we put it through the pigs in Moorpark. So we're now about two weeks into a trial uh, where each of these varieties are included at 40% inclusion levels in the diet. We went with 40% because 40% worked out quite well for us in, in previous trials, and we were able to replace all of the cyan in the diet by including 40% uh, beans in the diet. And we're comparing those 
diets with a cereal soya diet. And this information, I suppose, is important <coughs> because it can help us to supplement the earlier work that we did with the field beans uh, in finisher pig diets where we had uh, excellent performance uh, from feeding beans. Very good. And if we look at the value compared to wheat and soya, what's the comparative value of rye and beans? I suppose for rye, we touched on it earlier. It's, it's quite easy to answer that because rye substitutes in the diet for wheat and barley, right? And from our work, the comparative value was sort of intermediate between that of, of wheat and barley, being closer to that of barley. Relative to wheat, its value, as we said, is less than 94%. If you're getting it at, at less than 94%, the value of, of wheat, then it's, it may be economic to put it into, into your diet, right? For field beans, it's a little bit more difficult um, because the field beans don't substitute alone for the, the soya. They also substitute for cereals in the diet because remember the, the, the protein in field beans is nowhere near as high. It's only half uh, um, uh, the level uh, that is in, in, in soya. So it substitutes for both cereal and uh, soya. And that's what makes it, it problematic to put a value on it. It would be best maybe to look at the current price uh, relative uh, to barley and soya when you're formulating a diet. We'd have to really work uh, uh, this one out, but what, what I was thinking is, and, and this is something that, that's planned, that what we might do is put together a calculator uh, and put that up on the Chagish website, it's a fairly simple calculator that you can use for maybe any feed ingredient so that you can get the relative values uh, of these alternative ingredients. Uh, and those values would be given in euros. So that if you had the price of barley and soya, you knew the, the lysine content and the energy content of your ingredient, then you could put a monetary value on that. In other words, if the calculated value for the ingredient that you're interested in is higher than the price that it may be uh, that you can get that ingredient for on the marketplace, then it would be worth including that uh, alternative ingredient in the diet. So I think that's something what, that we'll, we'll try to do over the next file is put that calculator on, on the Chagish side. Excellent. Yeah, that's a, that's a great idea. Um, and in terms of supplementation, do, do beans and rye, do they need any extra supplementation in the diet? Kieran, this that's a that's a very good question, and I suppose it, it's important, um, you know, with any change in in ingredients in a diet, there always needs to be a reformulation of the balancer or the premix uh, for for the, the that's incorporated into the diet. Um, so that may involve changes to the levels of crystalline amino acids that are added, but also to the minerals and the and the vitamins. And I suppose you can't overemphasize the importance of notifying premix suppliers, uh, your nutritionist, when you are going to change an ingredient or number of ingredients uh, that are going into your diet. I suppose getting back to the, the ingredients of, uh, that we're talking about here, rye, um, <coughs> tryptophan and, and uh, phosphorus inclusion rates will need to be increased on, on rye-based diets, for instance. On field bean-based diets, Field beans have high lysine content and are relatively deficient in the sulfur-containing amino acids, the likes of, of methionine and cysteine. Uh, and they're, relatively, they're a relatively poor source of, of calcium 
and they're low in iron and manganese. So these would have to be uh, supplemented to a greater extent in field bean diets. Okay. Okay. And you mentioned already, you briefly mentioned there tannins in beans. Are there any other anti-nutritional uh, factors that we need to be looking out for in, in rye or beans? Yeah, well, well I suppose we, if we take rye first, uh, and it's not particularly an anti-nutritional factor, but, you know, older varieties of rye were particularly uh, sensitive to contamination by molds and particularly erigot mold. And when ingested by you know, if the, that rye was ingested by pigs, it caused ergotism in the pigs, which, which had fairly serious consequences, right? However, we're told now that the newer hybrid varieties are much more resistant to mold, uh, the newer rye varieties, and, and you know, mycotoxin issue, issues should no longer be a, a problem as such. <coughs> and I suppose the other thing is we've only fed rye to finisher pigs. But I would be inclined to limit the use of, of rye in, in sow diets. I, I, I'd probably put a limit of about 10 to 15% inclusion into sow diets there. And really this is because of the history of rye with, with um, uh, mycotoxin contamination. And if, as you get more confidence, maybe you could increase your levels. It should be suitable if it's free of, uh, of, of mycotoxin con contamination. What I would pay particular attention to with regard to the rye is byproducts of rye, and in particular the bran, as it's in that sort of fraction or those byproduct fractions that mycotoxins, if they're present in the rye, they're going to be more concentrated in, in, in that fraction. Something else that's important to note is maybe that the NSP uh, fraction in rye, the non-starch polysaccharide fraction in, in, in rye, they're particularly high in arabinoxylans and, and beta-glucans. And these are non-starch polysaccharides. Um, and if fed to weaned pigs, they're going to cause digestive upsets, right? So I wouldn't, you know, into a, a, a possibly even weaner diets, but certainly starter and link diets, I wouldn't be feeding rye. Um, so maybe keep rye away from those, those younger pigs. Um, for field beans, if we look at anti-nutritional factors found in, 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 in the field bean, tan, tannins are the most detrimental to the, to the pig, right? They're the ones you'd be most concerned about. And if I had a choice, I'd be looking for a low tannin variety. And French work would tell you that you should be looking for the beans from the white flower varieties, okay? But really what you're looking for is low tannin varieties and the breeders are, are looking at zero tannin varieties. And we mentioned earlier that one of the varieties we're looking at in Moorpark at the moment is this uh, variety Toffin, uh, which is a zero tannin variety. They also contain trypsin inhibitors and, and lectin, but the levels are generally not of concern in pig diets. And also, they contain visine and convisine. And I mentioned those earlier. They're probably anti-nutritional factors that are important in humans. But they don't seem to have a huge effect on protein or energy digestibility in pigs or on, in, in terms of, of pig growth. So really, with regard to the beans, it's the tannins I'd be most concerned about. And I would be looking for a zero tannin or a low tannin variety, at least.
Okay. And you kind of, yeah, you kind of mentioned there about not feeding certain products to wieners or, or young pigs or things like that. So maybe you, just in summary, would you give us, you know, what ages of pigs you would feed these and at what levels? I suppose maybe to qualify the answer, first of all, the work that we've done has solely been on in, in finisher pig diets. So pigs ranging from 30 kilos up to 115, 120 uh, kilos. But I suppose having said that, if we take the rye first, based on our results, I'd be happy enough to include rye in the diet of finisher pigs up to an inclusion rate of, of 60% of the diet. I would be inclined to limit the inclusion of rye into sow diets to about 10 to 15%, just because of the history uh, that rye has with mycotoxins. And, and this is me being very, very conservative here. Uh, but you could put that 10 or 15% in and if there's no problem, you could increase your, your levels thereafter. But just to be safe, uh, I, I would put a limit at the start of 10 to 15. I wouldn't include rye at all in diets for wean pigs, but I might include up to about 30% rye in grower diets, for instance. If we take the field beans then, <clears throat> based on our results again, I'd be happy uh, to feed propionic acid treated beans up to about 40% inclusion in the diet to finisher pigs, right? Because that's what we've done and it, it, it worked fine and, and they performed as well as pigs fed cereal based diets and cereal soya based diets. I suppose the safe inclusion level in grow, grower diets might be around 20% inclusion of, of uh, field beans. And I would certainly be looking for low tannin varieties um, if they're available so as to avoid any problems at, um, you know, at your 40, 40 or 20% inclusion levels. For the time being, I wouldn't advise to use beans in sow diets or wean pig diets because there's very limited information available regarding the feeding of beans to these categories of pigs. So I'd just be a little bit cautious about putting them into, into sow diets uh, currently until there's more information there. Excellent. God, some, some really... Uh informative uh, information and, and from your research there, Patter. And just to, to finish up then, how readily are or how readily available are these ingredients, beans and rye, in, in the marketplace presently? I suppose if we start with the beans, maybe first of all, um, around 13,000 hectares of, of field beans or faba bean were grown in Ireland in, in 2020. So about, if, if you assume a, a yield of about 6.8 tonnes to the hectare, that's about 88,000 tons. I suppose that's not massive, but it does seem to be growing. Um, it, it, there seems to be blips from year to year, but as a trend, the area of uh, field beans that are being planted seems to be growing over time. And I suppose the reason for that is that there's advantages to tillage farmers in that there's a subsidy of about 100 euros per, per acre for growing the beans. They have an option to put them into the feed or the food industry and they're considered to be a good combinable break crop so they're a break crop in a rotation they also fix nitrogen because they're legumes uh, so tillage farmers like them from that point of view and they they yield exceptionally well under irish conditions okay but there are disadvantages as well and and um the disadvantages would be that they're prone to lodging and particularly if you have a, a difficult harvest, uh, lodging can be a very, very serious issue. There's a, they're also uh, prone to crow damage. 
and you're limited in, in terms of your choice of pesticides uh, uh, if, you're, if you're growing beans. So that's also an issue. But I suppose if you have a particularly difficult harvest, and this has, has painted out in, in recent years when you look at the, the acreage that's planted year on year, we, we said there's 13,000 hectares uh, planted in, in, um, in, in 2020. But if you went back to 2019, the area planted fell to about 7,400 hectares. And the reason for that was the previous year there was a difficult harvest and beans gave, were, were problematic to harvest. And because of that, they weren't put into the ground. Okay. Um, so look, at that's the availability of beans, but it looks like the area over time is increasing uh, that's been planted to beans and uh, there, there should be more available in, in the future. With regard to rye, the area grown in Ireland has increased in recent years, but it's coming off a very, very low base. And it's, you know, the, the area is increasing because tillage farmers are meeting a renewed demand in the, in the distillery sector for rye. And because, as we said, it's, it's high yielding and it's a low input cereal. And the modern varieties have greater resistance to moles that we said, uh, and, and that makes them of, of greater in, interest for feeding to, to, to livestock. Um, I suppose for, for these reasons, many tillage farmers are looking at planting rye and the area planted is likely to rise. We're told that it's, this is a, a, a crop that could take off in the next number of years. I suppose if you want to know how much was planted, I don't have figures for 2020, but in 2019, there was only about 463 hectares of rye planted that year. But it, it, it would seem as if the, the acreage is, is, is set to grow in the coming years. That's excellent. Great. Thanks, Pater. Appreciate that. Thanks, Kieran. That's it for the latest episode of The Pig Edge, and my thanks to Pater Lawler for joining me on the show. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you never miss a show. And for more farming information, go to chagas.ie. I'm Kieran Carl, and thanks for listening.